and what we're going through as, you know, a generation, especially with this big change in the world. And so we all have been doing this and growing together. So if you've been here listening every other week and you've been tuning in and you've been watching uh, the quarantine conversations throughout this time, then you've been a part of this conversation. You know what it is. And I hope that you have found your authenticity and that you found your voice and that you have found appreciation for where you're at in your life and that you found value in yourself. What up, y'all? This is Brittany. I'm Mandy. And I'm Jamal. And we're the host of Living Millennial. Living Millennial. Living Millennial. A, a podcast where you'll, you'll be hearing three different, different perspectives and emerging stories from three, three different millennials on everyday life and trending topics. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Living Millennial. This is Brittany. Hey, hey. It's Mandisa. And this is Jamal. And we are back for part two of Conscious Dating. And of course, you know, we could not do uh, the remainder of this conversation without our friend, Maisha. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> She's so silly. All right, you all. So this is actually going to be the final episode of season three. Say what? <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I honestly, I can't believe it. And at the end of this conversation, you know, we're going to show so much gratitude, of course, um, and give all the thanks. But also, y'all, the last conversation was so amazing, was so good. We have more for you. We're just going to get right into the conversation, y'all. Uh, listen, the games will happen within the conversation. You <laughs> know you'll be entertained. That's exactly why you're here listening to us. So where we ended off was a conversation about um, societal norms. And again, this conversation is about conscious dating. So we're talking about, you know, what that means to us. We were talking about, we were giving examples of our lives in part one. So again, if you have not listened, go back and listen to part one so you can really understand part two. Um, but the last question that we really ended on um, that I'm still excited to talk about was what societal norms do we think influence how we date, whether that's conscious or unconscious, right? So what? give us some example, y'all, of some societal norms that have made an influence on y'all's dating lives. Well, I want to chime in with the element of communication because if we go back even even within this podcast to, to season one where we talked about ghosting and Brittany at that point you referred to yourself uh -huh. as the queen of ghosting which we know has changed GQ um, <laughs> um, and, and you're in a different space regarding that now but as far as communication I I see um Oftentimes, like in my in my mode of work as a, as a stage manager, over communicating is what's preferred and what most of us often do. Just to be clear, just so nobody can say you didn't know. But I I feel like oftentimes it's dating or in dating communication kind of falls by the wayside, or you know other people waiting for the other person to respond or make the first move even. Yep. Communication is a real thing. I, and it's always a game with communication too. Uh, not always, but it can be kind of a game like who texts who first or like who gets back or like who makes the plan? Well, I did the, it's like so much in the communication. So that's definitely a societal norm. 
for sure. I definitely relate to that. Um, yeah, what do you think, Brittany? What is the societal norm for you? Uh, you know what? You brought up a good point about the who does what because I think roles, right? Um, gender roles, all, all, you name it. I think those play a huge part and how much responsibility we place on one another to do certain things, right? It's the man's job to ask the woman out. It's the man's job to buy the drinks. It's the man's job to open the doors. It's the man's job to buy gifts and initiate certain things. Um, and, you know, if you really look into it and you do research and you listen to, you know, what things, uh, women, certain women or experts, quotes, experts have done, um, you know, them as the more feminine beings, they've taken initiative and they've had success in that. Right. So I think, um, breaking out of that is, is, is my new influence. Um, you know, yeah, just being, being the one to be assertive and like, dang, you're going to be waiting for a man forever which is what I used to say I used to be like uh-uh I, if I got a crush on somebody I'll wait all I'll wait years no if I got a crush on somebody now go I'm gonna go ahead and and get them yeah that's powerful em. like asking for what you want and what you need mm-hmm. yes and I think too it's important for fans women even if you don't want to initiate per se, it's important to check your energy and make sure that it's open. You know what I mean? Because sometimes people won't even approach us because we're not even open. <laughs> like, so before you even like <laughs> get to be an assertive, ma'am, um, you got to work on, <laughs> you got to work on being, um, you got to work on making sure your energy is even receptive to somebody who is, if, if you is, if you date somebody that is masculine, um, you got to make sure that they feel even uh, safe to even put themselves out there, you know, and be like, hey, what's up with you? How you doing? You know? Um, so, yeah, that that's definitely a societal norm. These gender roles around like you're supposed to be sought and not seek, you know, when it comes when it's like femmes and women. Um I'm trying to think of some of my some societal roles because you know societal roles can be cultural too, you know, meaning like race specific, but also like black folks in Oakland may be different from black folks in Dago. So the cultural norms mm-hmm. that inform how black people operate in Dago is different, like you know, from where I'm from. And I think for me, like cultural norms that influence like how I dated as a teenager in early 20s was definitely like really super into toxic masculinity as a a prerequisite for even if I was to date somebody. And some of that stuff still kind of follows me. Like I won't date masculine folks who um, don't fight or can't fight. Um, Like, like physically physical fights. Yeah. Physically fighting. I have an infatuation with um, my masculine partners carrying guns legally, of course. Um, that part <laughs> so things like that really you know but it's like what if the person before you don't have a gun you know <laughs> so I don't know you know yeah and is that <laughs> is that um part of or would that fall under a larger umbrella of safety for you and like feeling safe with your partner yeah so it's definitely the feelings of the wanting to feel protected the wanting to feel safe 
But I think over the years, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But over the years, I've had to learn how to deconstruct and really separate like safety from toxicity, you know, because they can blend very quickly into one another. Um, and you will get a, you know, a, a masculine person who has those qualities, but then be turning around, uh, turning around and being uh, toxic or abusive towards you. So, you know, you, you want to make sure yeah. you, that doesn't happen, you know, so. Yeah. And that's a really good segue into my next question, which is what, what have we had to unlearn in order to really date with, or really be more confident in dating, but that has led us to be more conscious in our dating as well. What do we have to unlearn? I think for me, I think when I was younger, and again, I've been single for eight years, and so I haven't lived the life of dating a lot. I've been, I've lived the life of like hanging out a lot, <laughs> but not like dating a lot. And I think looking for someone to check boxes, uh, to fulfill like you know boxes for me when you know I'm a I'm a tender, sensitive soul, and so like I actually just need someone who listens and hears me and sees me, that's important for me. And I think as a man growing up in this world, there was a lot of pressure for me to like want something different than like, yo, I actually need my heart to be heard and I need to be listened to and I need to be seen. And then I also need you to take care of yourself, <laughs> you know, as well, be able to take care of yourself and love on you as well. Cause I do believe that when you love yourself, then, you know, you're more powerful together. It's how you get a power couple. Y'all strong together. Cause you can also be autonomous and things. And I used to, I definitely used to operate in looking for someone to fulfill these boxes that really wasn't what I needed because then we would get home or get really into like the bedroom and like, you know, I wouldn't feel seen. It would be like, well, you need to, and you should, and you need to, and I don't want a relationship where we're saying you should, you need to, you should, you need to. Um, and so, yeah, that's something that I've, I've unlearned and not always in the process of unlearning, uh, you know, being at home within myself and then looking for someone who has a heart to see mine. Um, and then that's where I really grow with someone because we can go deep in conversation and really be seen and like talk about shit. I'm a conversationalist, you know? And so like that, that's sexy to me. Intellect is sexy to me, you know? A good mind is so sexy to me. It's like caring about some shit. Whatever it is, too, like you can you can be in love with turtles, man, you know, but if you care about that and you're an expert on turtles, I think that's beautiful to like have something to be like interested in that you're actually interested in. And if you're interested in things like that, too, I find that the mind actually looks at the details and other things in a beautiful way. So that's something that I've been learning and unlearning, learning. Unlearning to learn. <laughs> I want to just pick off of what Jamal was saying. I, I don't know if it really fits the question, but. What I've had to learn about myself more deeply is that for me, um, in order to access love and experience the kind of relationships that I like to experience, um, intellect is important to me. You know, I can't, I'm not a person where you could be the most loving person in the world, but if I'm not, um, intellectually stimulated, you know, um, in a way that makes sense for me, then I, it's not going to work. <laughs> and so I've had to learn, even when it comes to sexual relationships or unlearn rather that casual sex is not for me. You know, I can't participate in it just because there, I need to feel closeness to who I'm dealing with. And if I don't feel that closeness, it's like, 
you're going to be like, she got some whack ass pussy. And I, <laughs> it's unfulfilling. It's unfulfilling. It was a no for me. And it's just because I'm not, I don't, I'm not connected to you. This, you just don't do it for me, you know? So I'm learning that. Too. that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, I love that. Uh, I For me, to answer the, my own question, for me, I had to unlearn the idea that I am intimidating. Um, because that got in the way of a lot of things. And that started to really make me think that, you know, there just ain't nobody for me or like ain't nobody like I I all the things, all the wrong things. Right. So me, me pulling that away and kind of shifting my mind to say, really my heart to say, I'm not intimidating. These people are just intimidated, right. For whatever reason. So really to release the responsibility off of me, because um, I'm going to be me regardless. And, and there are so many people in this world who are not intimidated or, you know, or who don't see me as intimidating and who know not to put that on me. Um, and unlearning that has opened me up to so many other folks, right. And so many beautiful conversations. Um, because before I was really leading into conversations, like, yes, yeah, saying what I need to say, but not the way that was like clear or a way that it could be clear with the idea that like, oh, this person is going to be, fearful for some reason, or this person is going to reject me because, you know, I'm coming off as intimidating. So I really had to drop the idea that that's my responsibility. No, it's no longer my responsibility. If you are intimidated, you just not for me. If you don't feel like you could be yourself around me, that's not on me. That's on you. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and also there you'll come across people who will say I want a strong woman but are you ready <laughs> are you sure that that's what you want because <laughs> you're running away that from it part. when you meet one that goes back to what Maisha was saying about being open right mm-hmm. you say you want these things but are you open to it and right. then also when you say I want a strong woman have are you defined you what that even means it? for you or are you just saying that creating like a character that you don't even know what Ooh. that is um yeah right and and I'll say I've had a very limited dating experience um and so I think it's really taken me until this last wow we're coming up on a year since I've been single oh my gosh (laughs) um hey hey, thank you (laughs) so I think during this year-ish um I've gotten to know myself a lot, a lot better. Um, and also we've talked about this before, have had the the privilege of the abundance of time and space to do so and to really um, go along the journey with talking to someone or which in my, the, the word courting comes to mind. Um, and I know we've talked about definitions of dating and courting to a lot of people is an outdated method of dating. Um, but I think it has elements of it that are really awesome. Um, and, and to me, the, the part of it about um, taking time is, is what really resonates. And something that I've had to unlearn or, or kind of sit in the uncomfortability of it 
is learning what I can and can't reciprocate with someone. And if, if I come to a decision that, you know, one of these sides is giving or getting more than the other, then that becomes a conversation of how do we continue or do we continue? I love that. And that's always a conversation that you can have because I also think with relationships, people expect for relationships to last forever. And I believe that it's okay for relationships to end. I think that sometimes we stay in things longer than we need to because of this what we've all been taught, like, you know, you're loyal, you got to stay in it, you got to fight through. But there's certain fights too, where like, we come to a certain growth within ourselves where you realize, oh, the growth that we needed to have together, the relationship has lived this life. And it doesn't have to be a negative thing. I think it takes a lot of work to get to the positivity yes. of that. But sometimes I think we will hold on to situations too long that are more damaging for ourselves um, without even realizing. I know I did that before, you know. Absolutely. That's That's been me. I think more than once <laughs> and I already said I've had limited dating experience so <laughs> but you've also That's been you've also been in relationships too and so that also makes sense because although you've had limited dating mm -hmm. you've had relationships that have lasted over a span of time you know so that's true which I, I think I'm mixing the mm -hmm. two up of dating and being in a relationship I I I, I know I will um what's the word use mm -hmm. the use them interchangeably yeah um so yeah Cause I don't really like, I don't really date or like go on dates. I'll say that. <laughs> so question, para tu. the, how long in, how much time did you have in between meeting the people you've had relationships with or like having interest? How long, but until mm -hmm. from then until you like said, Hey, let's get into a relationship. Let's commit. I would say the first time was a couple months, maybe, maybe like two to five months. I'm kind of fuzzy on that time and how that like blended and mm -hmm. became a relationship. Um, also, because it was so long ago. <laughs> um, and then the second one, maybe over the course of a month that one kind of <laughs> also morphed into a relationship I like transitioned into that relationship um but but I think in my mind like when I'm talking to someone just as like entertaining or getting to know them I oftentimes will even if I'm say I'm talking to like three to five people, whatever. Got a little basketball team going nice on. Nice little roster, okay. <laughs> In alphabetical order. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I will, I'll have a tendency to focus on or gravitate towards one person, like who really catches my interest or something. And I won't say like I'll latch on to them, but that's just where I'll, I'll put my focus and my energy. And like, if I really feel like I'm vibing with you, if the communication is good, cause like, I don't, I don't know no dummies. I don't know, you know, anybody who, whatever they like to do, whatever they're interested in, they can go on about it and teach me something, which, which is what I like. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll tend to just kind of focus on one person and the other people. Okay. Will kind of so it's, it's so it sounds like you have dated, you had, you, you have the experience. I don't want to downplay your experience. You got 
experienced queen. Yeah. And in the relationship, yeah. you are dating as well. It might be a different yeah. situation, but there is communication. There That's is true. going out. There is a balancing of energy. There is the, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah, you got it, girl. So how, <laughs> so we, we gave examples um, for ourselves of things that we've seen in society that kind of we may have pulled from whether we, uh, whether it's conscious or unconsciously, right? But um, how do y'all think, or how do y'all see millennials dating differently these days? I'll, I'll, I'll give my answer first. We taking our time. And we, and it's particularly, at least my black millennial female friends, we are, we putting everything out on the table. And if we don't like it, we don't need it. We could get, we, you know, here, here. I wish I had a glass to raise. (laughs) You know, I I would say I would agree with you, Brent, but I do think it depends because I know a lot of millennials where that's not the case. I really do. I really do think it depends on who you connecting with. So that's why that's the hard question for me to answer. I don't know what millennials are doing. In my work that I do, I get a lot of um, women that, you know, and folks that come to my workshops or seek me out for, you know, wanting to work with me as um, them being my client. And I would say I still see a lot of millennials sort of repeating these long generational patterns that don't serve us, you know, whether that's um, rushing too quickly sometimes into relationships, trying to build a nigga, trying to turn, you know, somebody into you know, what you don't have the discipline to uh, work for, (laughs) you know, meaning like we have to take our time to build ourselves up to even begin to even attract and choose what we really, really deserve. Um, So I still see a lot of that. I I do see a lot of us taking our time, but I do see a significant, a lot of, a, a lot of us that are like, I really like single, what is that? <laughs> yeah, because it all de- it all depends on like what is your context, where are you coming from, your family structure, your community, like what are your influences? Because I know for me, you know, I've been single for eight years, but like you know, I'm a millennial, and when I was in my earlier twenties, a different time, of course, but still, me, it's up until like this past two years, three years, where I started looking differently you know, and I started feeling differently. It's really within this year where I really like did the work to love myself and not be looking for something to fulfill me as well. And so I do think that a lot of us do have an experience of looking to be fulfilled in something. And then like finding based on your access or what you're watching on TV or what you're listening to. Oh, it's okay to be by myself. Oh, I can just travel with my friends and have a good time. Oh, I can do this thing. I do think that there is a learning process to getting there uh, for a lot of people. Um, regardless of how long you are seeking that thing to fulfill you and then breaking out from that and finding yourself. I do think that it is a stage, a step in the journey of finding yourself that's kind of hard to just get away from when you leave home. I will say millennials too. Mm -hmm. What I do see is us not caring about (laughs) marriage as much. Amen. Which I think is a, which I think is a good thing. I I mean, I, I think marriage can be beautiful. I think marriage has the potential to be a blessing. Um, but I do see that not being something that is like 
like the 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 staple or the focus <laughs> of you know why we're dating right. you know like <laughs> I think a lot of us are like can we get along <laughs> let's start with that you know if we get at least for me I'm kind of like if you know, if I get to marriage in my 40s, you know, I'm okay with that. I could be, you know, as long as the relationship is healthy and I feel good in it, I could be with somebody for 15 years and decide one day that, okay, we ain't got nothing else to do. Let's go get married. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of how I see myself moving in the world. But, Amen. And, I, and I know a lot of us, as I know a lot of millennials that are like that. Like, I don't really care about marriage. I really, really want to have a healthy relationship. And if that results in marriage, that's okay. Yes. And let me get a house first, because we're, right. we're you, us married right. folks about to live. <laughs> I was having these exact thoughts while I was washing dishes this morning. Um, and I actually thought of someone who she, she's not a millennial, um, but I, I've worked with her on something before. She's now 48 and she got married at the age of 40. And she, she also looks super young, of course. Um, but she, I remember her talking about how she was totally fine with that because it wasn't about putting a time pressure um, on herself, but about finding, finding a, a, a real companion, a real partner to live out the rest of her life. And of course, at the age of 40, like, I don't really know what else you're rushing into um, other than, you know, just divine greatness in your life. But I am, and I, and I'll say for myself, if I'm still unmarried or in the eyes of the IRS legally single by the time I'm 40, then I, I would like to be able to say at that point that like, I'm okay with that. And, and like you're saying, it's about having a good foundation. Like, can we get along? Which I think quarantine has brought that to, to the surface for a lot of people. But I, I don't know if I answered the question or responded. I think I went on three different tangents. <laughs> there was, yeah, no, there there was an answer in there for sure. Um, but I think all of you all are giving great examples of, the. there's tons of articles and research out there that's telling us that millennials are, statistically, we are getting married later in life. We're not, we're in no rush to get married. And also we're like low-key in, not, not that we're not in a rush to buy homes, but we're buying homes at a lesser rate compared to other generations, but we have more things to consider like student debt <laughs> that's getting in the way of that. So, so, you know, statistically we are at a slower pace, um, in terms of like getting married and, you know, doing the like setting a firm and legal foundation <laughs> for uh, generations to come. So, um, so yeah, that's, I wanted to bring that up while we, um, I think that's something pretty cool to think about while we talk about conscious dating or we talk about dating as in general. Um, Cause like as a whole, there are things that are just, that are just slowing down. Um, don't, I mean, we still got folks out there who, who, you know, that's their goal. They want to do that. They are excited. But then there's others of us who there's folks that were in between and there's others of us who are just like, 
y'all can right, have that. Right, right. <laughs> y'all can have that. But that leads me to the to the topic of identity politics. Um, and Maisha, you and I have had uh, conversations offline about that. So I do want to uh, give you the floor or the mic the floor, the mic on the floor, <laughs> uh, to give us your, uh, so you give that, give us your perspective and, and definition. Of yeah. Well, I feel like we kind of been talking about it already in terms of, um, like the gender roles, right? So like this idea that, um, a man is supposed to be this way and a woman is supposed to be this way, or black women are supposed to, um, you know, be this way. Um, uh, that those inform how we date and, you know, how we look, we choose partners off of how society says what is acceptable beauty, you know, so that can be light skin, that can be thick, that can be, you know, um, let's see what else men are supposed to be tall with muscles and beards, you know, at least that's how I like them. And, <laughs> and, um, you know, or black men are supposed to have big dicks and when they don't, you know, their value is, you know, less than, or, you know, whatever you have just all of these different, uh, politics that are informed by oppression, um, or racism and, um, um, colorism and transphobia and heteronormativity, right? Like, one of the things that I've had to unlearn is that heterosexuality is not the pathway to happiness, you know? And um, for so long, I tried to deny who I really was and who I've always known that I was because I really was trying to make this American dream with this Black man and being with him come true. And while I still uh, am attracted to Black men and still would like a Black male uh, partner in my life, there's so much more that I want, you know, and he would be a part of a larger puzzle, <laughs> not like the puzzle, you know. So again, like there's so many identity politics. I mean, classism, whether somebody has money or not. I know this is particularly true in heterosexual relationships where um, I would say women of many racial backgrounds, I would, I, I wish black women would be more like this sometimes when it comes to making sure we're dating. If you're, if you're dating men, making sure that they have some type of financial discipline and goals and that they not just, um, leeching off of you and your accomplishments to me is, it's giving me desperate pair. It's giving me raggedy. It's giving me, you know, it's giving me all the things that you just should not be involved in. <laughs> That's my little spill, my little small spill on identity politics. Yeah, that's really I think that that's really big because I do think that we all yeah, a lot of us, myself included, we end up putting things in boxes, you know, uh, without even realizing we're doing it. Like I'm someone as a black man who has when I was younger, I used to only date black. You know what I mean? Like it was just what I was attracted to. I come, I came from born in Baltimore, raised in the DMV, predominantly black neighborhoods. And then when I started dating outside my race, and even in this time too, with things going on in the world and people would like say, oh, you're still dating. And I was like, yeah, like I didn't change. And like the soul doesn't change. So I still see people, you know, regardless of race. And like, if they have a problem with racism or something, that's a different conversation than just boxing. Oh, you still, you know? And so there's also pressure from community sometimes to like have a perception as if 
I should care about your perception about who I'm dating unless I'm in danger. Um, who or what that person looks like, or even when people are shocked by the because I really don't have a type. Like if you look at the people that I've been in bed with, like they don't look like a certain thing. And then people are always shocked. And I asked them, I was like, why are you shocked? I've never even brought anyone around you or like told you and you've never asked who I date. So why are you so, oh, I didn't think you would be, what gave you the thought of what I would be into, you know? And so I think we all fall into it in different ways. I know that I have as well, you know? Yes, indeed. I want to speak a little on what it makes me think of is, you know, the one of the original purposes or, or intents of marriage, especially for women, was you're essentially the property, you start off as the property of your family, your father, and you are married, you're given away to another man who your family, especially your father, would hope that this man comes with, you know, that that they, that especially your your um your dowry package would be nice and healthy and handsome, hopefully as handsome as the person that you're marrying. Um, and so personally, I I don't look too much into like people's finance. Of course, I want you to be financially secure and whatnot. Um, and so I, I try not to let that play too much into it and what I expect, you know, like I'm totally fine going, you know, 50, 50 on bills or whatnot, or I get this, you get that. But the minute I feel that I'm being taken ad advantage of, then, then I have a, I have an issue with that. And that's again, something to talk about, like where you at um, and why, but also the idea of marrying up just to change your status or secure a higher status in life. Um, is, is, um, I mean, people do it, people, you know, especially in, in a lot of the music that I listen to, um, not a lot of it, but you know, that, that's something that I feel like is, is rapped about, sung about, you know, marrying someone and getting with them for, uh, their money and what they can provide for you. But my question is always, okay, what are, what are we each bringing to the table? And if we can aspire to some dollars together, cool 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 <laughs> yeah I like that so so it sounds like you are like you said marrying identity politics with status right and like yeah. you know just building building our status um which is you're right which is what marriage um was at least in this country which is what marriage or in mm -hmm. other countries but anyway which is what marriage right. is supposed to do it's supposed to build up our <laughs> status build up those coins for us um, <laughs> which makes sense. So, um, going back to identity politics, so how have that, how has that maybe shown up for you all? Um, and maybe what standards, um, do y'all think has influenced like your dating decisions, whether it was standards that people had for you, like, you know, I'll, I'll give myself for an, uh, an example. Um, I am dark skin. I have natural hair. Um, I'm thick, thick, you know what I'm saying? I'm getting thick on these days in the quarantine. Um, you know, I'm not that tall. I'm like, what, five, four or whatever. So, you know, someone may look at me and really identify me. And, I, and it, honestly, too, depending on what I'm wearing, like someone may look at me and identify me as like, you know, let's go back to the intimidating, right? Like the, they may give me that strong black woman identity. So the things that come into that are sexism sometimes. Um, 
even ageism, um, you know, that could be a thing depending on who's stepping up to me, um, you know, and, and colorism could be a huge thing too, especially depending on who I'm surrounding myself with. Cause I have a lot of beautiful friends, all different shades. So those things all play into, um, how someone steps up to me and how they communicate with me very often. Um, so what are maybe some things that you all can, can really call out and identify that has maybe, um, influenced either not just how you date but like the decisions that we make too so statistics show um particularly in heterosexual relationships i would love for somebody to create some data that shows what this looks like in queer relationships but heterosexual relationships show that uh dark-skinned women are less likely to get married in comparison to light-skinned women and it's just because um historically colorism and to be light-skinned um is has been more associated with um, class um, because of the proximity to whiteness. And so when we talk about um, who's being avoided when it comes to marriage and when it comes to dating, um, dark-skinned women are not even getting the same uh, opportunities to be able to start families, to build wealth, because we know that we can try to talk about marriage as we can make it into whatever the fuck we want to, but at the end of the day, Marriage is an institution. That that is what it is. <laughs> you know, you can have other elements a part of that institution, like love. Um, but historically, not even in this country, you can even go back to pre-colonial Africa. Love was cool, but it wasn't the staple of why you married somebody. African women was like, nigga, what you got? Okay. <laughs> what do you have? And so when we talk about marriage as an institution of building wealth, well, then dark-skinned women are being economic, economically disenfranchised by not being given the opportunity to be able to be married because Black men uh, who date Black women do not prefer dark-skinned Black women. So we're talking about um, economic uh, genocide of, of Black people, you know, um, when we talk about these identity politics that um, don't allow for us to be able to access these institutions. So <sighs> I just wanted to follow up with that. <laughs> you wanted to drop that, Jim? Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Jamal, did you have any examples of um, identities, I guess, that are called out um, for you that may have influenced or assumed identities too, that may have influenced your, your dating. Here, listen, I'm a dark skinned black man with this hair and with my height and I'm slim. And so, you know, especially being out here, like there's identity politics, like since I was a kid, like, listen, like, you know, I'm not the, listen, I'm a Taurus and my ascending is in Virgo, my cancer moon. So like, I'm, I'm very much so a bull and dominant, but at the same time, like I'm not seen as such. Right. And so the image of me has not always, it's different now. Like I'm desired and like, that's beautiful. And like, great <laughs> um but at the same time it wasn't always that way because i'm a kid of the 90s where dark skin in my hood wasn't in you know what i mean like the light skin dude is everything that my issue was saying honestly like it that happens with women as well and i do believe that it happens with men again when it comes to men it's like what do you have like that's still a thing with men like what do you have to offer uh what do you bring it to the table and usually it is what are you supplying to the institution and the taking care aspect of me as well um and i also someone that does date outside their race as well um sometimes that's kind of interesting too because like 
when it comes to women, I'm like, it's very specific, like black and Latino women, like Afro Latino, like it's, I don't know. It's just how it's been. It's not like an effort at all. It's just how it's always been. Um, and then I, I, I'm more open with men for whatever reason that is. It's just what it is. And uh, I don't like being fetishized. And so as soon as you say, oh my gosh, I love black men. If you're not black, I'm like, hmm, why do you say that? That's the next question that I ask. I'm like, what, what attracts you to black men? And like their answer really does Honestly, whatever the answer is, I'm already turned off. <laughs> Honestly, that part. I'm, automa I'm automatically turned off no matter what the answer is, because I just don't like being fetishized. Like you can love me and appreciate my skin and everything. But as soon as you say, oh, I just love black men, I'm like, oh, you have a pattern. Why? Like that's a very specific statement. And now you have to have a why. And then when you ask why and it's like, hmm, that's a good question. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go. So that's my thing. That whole part that whole part it was a cloud of a thought before but as we're on zoom and i see you all um and even um <laughs> and even even looking around at my family i look very different um i'm a light-skinned black woman um with hair that's on the more fine and curly texture i don't think and th this goes with dating relationships and even jobs um, I, I don't think I've experienced to a degree, you know, um, the, the things that, um, the things that you all have and, um, but as far as dating outside of my race or really with my, with my wants in my mind, I was like, if marriage is the end goal for me, like I want it to be a black man. I think there's something so strong and resilient just about black love period um, that I absolutely am, am in support of. But of course, if that is not what works out, then what will will be something organic and beautiful anyway. But I have dated outside my race um, and I did have initial initial concerns just about like, okay, what what level of explaining am I gonna have to do? Or, <laughs> you know, how many side eyes <laughs> am I gonna be given when someone does or says a little something that I go, okay, what? <laughs> um, so I, I've experienced that, but I'm all here for black love, like honestly. Ditto. Y'all know how I feel about that. So that's a great segue into um, our last portion of this discussion. And that is talking about purpose, right? Like the things that we've learned. Going back to our definitions of definition of conscious dating. Um, in a nutshell, we're all talking about, you know, awareness, right? And like, do we really know what we're dating for? What are the, re what was the reason? What are the reasons? <laughs> what are the reasons? <laughs> that never gets old. <laughs> right? It never gets old. Even, even if it's for, you know, I'm dating just to, you know, just to keep my sex life spicy. I'm dating, you know, just to, you know, make sure I get dinner paid for once a week or something like that. Like if you are aware of that, <laughs> that to me, that's all a part of it. But um <laughs> But another portion uh, from uh, another portion of that definition um, or our collective definition really was, you know, just us really understanding what's best for ourselves, right? What is best for us? So um, 
with the idea of purpose in mind um, and our purpose of dating, what have y'all discovered? And this is today. This is this is right now today. What are you holding on to? What have you discovered that is really best for you? I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in, and because I made it my my what do you call it? wallpaper on my phone. And it says, you either say how you feel and fuck it up or say nothing and let it fuck you up instead. And for me, just getting over my own block of like how I think someone else will respond or react to something and just being like, here it is. These are my thoughts. This is what I want. And then letting the actual response come in and then me responding to that rather than you know instead of worrying twice about a situation or making a mountain out of a molehill or whatever and and again going back to not waiting for someone else to make a first move or something or even not waiting sometimes for someone to respond to a message because I know I personally I'm terrible (laughs) at texting people back there's at least I can think of three people off the top of my head right now that I have not responded to and I have no ill will towards them I just that's not how my days (laughs) have gone (laughs) sorry (laughs) but being in a position where I care so much less about what how a conversation should go or how communication should go and just saying you're on my mind boom boom this or I saw this and this made me think of you bam or okay you didn't respond to my other message but I still have something to tell you so I'm going to tell you and I know because I trust you that you're not ignoring me like life happens and you'll get back to me and then we'll end up on the phone for two hours so there's that I love that I love that it's exactly what you're saying, Mandisa, saying what I want to say. This is what I wrote down, saying what I want to say and what I feel, knowing that I can deal with any situation that comes my way. And another term that I, another phrase that I use, like my own little mantra for myself, whatever, whatever my heart says is all good. Like, it's OK if you're offended. It okay, it's OK if you have a different response. Like, that's what people do. We have responses based on how we feel. So if I'm sharing my feelings with you, of course, you have the right to feel how you feel. Like, what do you mean? And back in the day, that was not me at all. I would be trying without even realizing, like, I feel this way. But wait, hold on. But you can't feel that. But it, you're saying that, and you know, you try to manipulate people's feelings to fit how you feel. And I've just worked to get out of that because it's so much more peaceful to go to bed at night, not thinking about, <laughs> not thinking about nobody else's feelings, but like, cleansing your energy so you can sleep peacefully tonight you know so you can get as many hours as you can get yes indeed yes I call it Mm self-scripting like when when I have my whole expectations or or thoughts on how a conversation or interaction will go and, and and I'm much better and quicker at acknowledging that and and going into my own self questions about why I'm doing that and whatnot. But self-scripting is is what I call it. And I'll be like, Dees, you don't have to write the future. <laughs> it's okay, boo. <laughs> Ooh. But if you if you find out how, girl, let me know. Um <laughs> listen, y'all will be the <laughs> first to know. Right in. <laughs> my, do you have uh your answer to that? What what have you discovered is good for you right now? Well, first working on myself, I think the thing that I've learned is that, uh, that I continue to learn is that, you know, many of us think that we deserve good partners. And I think in theory we do, but I also think you don't deserve shit you ain't worked for. 
And so um, for me, I feel like I have to do the work. <laughs> and so that's what I'm learning. Like, you know, this this love that you desire that you are worthy of, um, but it may not be what you deserve in this moment because you have you have some things you have to work out first, you know, so that you don't taint that love and destroy it, you know. So that is the biggest lesson that I am learning. <laughs> That's everything. Yeah. I'm writing that down. We all on mute going off like, yes. <laughs> to me, I'm receiving that as that's really the basis of what we're even talking about, right? It's with the basis of conscious dating of like really discovering, okay, what do you, what am I really doing here? You know what I'm saying? Like, and what am I really opening myself up to? Which leads me to my answer of right now, what I know what's good for me is like, it's me Number one, taking responsibility for me. No responsibility for no one else, how no one else feels. Basically what the, everybody is saying here, right? Um, and just being more intentional um, because I wasn't, I never, what, what, how many episodes was it ago? I was like, I'm going to take dating seriously because I had to look oh, at yeah, myself. The top of this season. Yes. Cause I had to look at myself and be like, bitch, you ain't taking all this shit serious. Why you walking away from people in five seconds? That's why, you know what I'm saying? Like you just, you ain't taking it serious. So me, me taking responsibility of taking the whole experience serious has, has I'm noticing already is, is, is good for me. Um, and it's, it's changing the way I interact and also the way I articulate my needs and my boundaries. Now y'all know that's my favorite word, but, um, which is, which is always going to change and shift. And I know that, but, um, and it also releases me from expectations, right? Like when I tell you what my boundaries are, yes, I may communicate them in a different way than you may understand. But once, once we get on the same page, you know what I'm asking for, like, it's now up to you to abide by that. And if not, then, okay, cool. I can walk away. But anyway, it's all for me being intentional is what's good for me. It's me taking responsibility of, of really, you know, taking this dating thing serious. And that's all it really is, just being aware of where you're at. I know consciousness is everywhere these days. It can get you know, deep. And it's like, I love what you said, Brittany, about looking at yourself and looking at where you were. And like, there's things that I have too. It's about being aware of where I'm at and where I want to work at myself, asking for your needs, being clear and articulating those things and um, not trying to manipulate what is, you know, um, that's what it is. I was talking to the guy earlier today. We were talking about conscious dates. Like, what is that? <laughs> and then he was like explaining his dating pattern. I was like, yeah, you're already doing it. You know, like being aware of like, oh, this energy, something is off. I feel needed in a way that I can't supply. And we haven't even gone on the first date. And so I'm just not. And I'm like, yeah, that's something that you're aware of. That's not what you're looking for. And that's like cool to know that for yourself. So you don't waste your time playing a game that ends up hurting you and someone else. And like, the things that we all do sometimes without even realizing that it's draining our energy and draining ourself and draining our authenticity, like who we really are. And I think that when it comes to conscious dating, it's just like holding, holding value in yourself with who you are and where you're at as you are. 
You know, it's not about being a perfect picture of something for the perfect guy or the perfect girl or the perfect them or like whatever. It's about being the perfect image for yourself so that when you go out in the world, you're open. You're open to receive what's for you. And you'll know if it's not for you real quick with a smile. And so I just wanted to say that because sometimes this stuff can get super deep and we haven't been super deep at all. It just is what it is. It's like, yo, take care of yourself out here in these streets and know what you want, even if you just want to fuck. Like, that's cool. Know that and know what it costs you. Know what it costs you. Know if it's going to be a good time. Know if you feel great when you go home after that fuck or if you feel lonely going home. Like, know that. Yeah. And that's okay. And I think the main thing that I always want to let folks know is like, you know, if I'm not for someone or someone isn't for me, that is okay. Like, I, I have a lot of conversation with folks who hold on to the idea of someone. And so much so that like, you know, it doesn't bring us into reality of like, listen, this person really fucking with you. Like, you know, it's okay if they're not into you and it's okay if you're not into someone, you can release them. Like, and we don't have to do the self-scripting and all that stuff like deuces. And that's one thing I'll tell you, that's one thing I've been holding on to since the beginning of my time. Okay. I, I could walk away from a motherfucker real quick and that's okay. I had to learn that that's okay. So <laughs> I had to learn to put it in simple words like that's okay. Before I was like, uh-uh, I don't just like it. You know, no animosity, no bad feelings, none of those things. We talked, we definitely talked about that before. If like you could just walk away from folks and just understand that your time is done and that is okay. And if you come back, you come back. And also good. trusting that people can take care of themselves. Like I used to have the thing of like, oh, you know, if I, oh, but the, it's like, no, it's also like people can take care of themselves people can take care of themselves and so it also doesn't mean to date someone or stay in something because the ego is telling you that oh you have to save them or you have the power too actually you don't <laughs> so <laughs> just be honest and true with care right right and some people you know however gently or delicately you you may try to end something you know if a person's gonna be hurt they gonna be hurt <laughs> doesn't matter how how easy you try to let them down um and and what i what i've heard from from the four of us in both of these conversations is really how lovely it is to for each of us wherever we are in our in our lives and in um in in our journeys of conscious dating how wonderful it is to be able to reflect upon where we were the work that we have done and like you said Jamal it's not about um making yourself out to be the perfect you for somebody else it's about meeting yourself where you are and saying am i okay with me do i love me when i get up and go wash my face and brush my teeth and floss them too in the morning and the person who i look at in the mirror do i love that person are we cool and then from there then you know then the world's your oyster but there's always work to be oh. done we are never we are never done evolving as people, as as creatures of this earth. The one constant thing we can count on is change. Well, I just wanted to say this one little last thing. And it was just, you know, uh, going off of what Jamal said. I feel like in times when we can't trust, like if you stand with somebody because you can't trust that they're going to take care of themselves, why in the fuck would you want to be with somebody or be dealing with somebody that you trust cannot take care of themselves? Ma'am, family, sir, you can get a fucking cat for that. There are other resources 
you know, out in the world, plants, dogs, <laughs> get something else. If you have this desire to take care of something, then there are <laughs> other things for that, you know, um, that, but no, like, what the fuck? Yeah, I, but I feel, and I'm not judging. I'm not judging nobody because I've been there where you're like, oh, I got to do this for this person. Man, fuck them people. <laughs> yeah, and I just learned that like my plants are dope too. It's like we've <laughs> all been there in some way, shape or form. It's just like, oh, you have pathways to loving you. And so like when we say get a fucking dog, get a fucking cat, get a plant, it's actually a real thing because I love my plants. <laughs> listen, you do. They have you brought do. me. They, <laughs> listen. Whole, and they need a lot of care. It's a whole thing. Yeah, the plant life is real. Okay, I, I take care of my plants before I brush my teeth in the day. But everything that y'all have said has really resonated with, with me. Um, I know I got some things I'll also, you know, take into account um, and maybe pull it, you know, pull and pull in my, my little dating pocket, my conscious dating pocket for myself. <laughs> Y'all, listen, I just want to say thank you. I just want to give all the love through this mic virtually to everyone listening, to my co-host, to my beautiful friend, Maisha, um, to everyone who supported us. This is our 36th episode. This is wow. the, yeah, this is the finale to our third season. Um, when we started, first of all, who, who even knew what Pat Casting was? I'm just kidding. <laughs> but when we started, what, 2018, um, around August-ish and really started to do research on things and have conversations about it and just see like what is needed um, I really, I could not have imagined the amount of love, the amount of, of camaraderie that has come from this show, from this vision, um, the collective ideas, um, the conversations, like every, after every episode if I'm not already elevated I'm high as hell <laughs> from talking to everyone I did want to take a moment to to give this much gratitude I don't know if I've ever done this before in our past seasons I think season one and season two were a little chaotic going out of it <laughs> so I'm also grateful for uh the space that we have you know to to show just this amount of love yeah, so I just wanted to do that. This is I can't I just can't believe we're here. That's amazing. Absolutely. And I I echo all of that. And uh especially, you know, you start something and of course you have visions of where you want projects and different things to go. But I I didn't I I didn't foresee us being here and and honestly, I feel like doing this podcast with the two of you, Brittany and Jamal has, has brought me so much closer to the two of you. Um, and I feel like I've gotten to know both of you in a really beautiful and wonderful way. Um, every time we record. And then of course, when we have, when we have our time, when it's the three of us in person, which it doesn't happen often, which makes it all the much more special. Um, and just sharing, sharing laughter, drinks, tears, um, aspirations with you all is is wonderful. And Maisha, thank you so much for 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 joining us multiple times. 
um, over over the course of, of our journey on this podcast. And to everyone listening, thank you for, for your support, for your continued support, um, whatever that looks like to you. I appreciate it um, enormously, enormously. So thank you. Episode 36, season three finale. This has been a beautiful ride. You know, we've talked about so much. We've opened up our hearts and our minds and, you know, we're all conversationalists. And so I always grow hearing you all's perspectives on everything that we've talked about. And I've even opened up on this show personally. I know I probably say this every season, you know, but, you know, through the past three seasons, like my life has changed, you know, in regards of me being open with my sexuality. That happened before I started on the podcast, but just like in an open forum with my voice out there speaking on it and having these conversations out loud uh, has really opened me up and helped me find my voice and also helped me find my authenticity through this process of doing things um, because it is a vulnerable thing to put your voice out there and to put your perspective out there and to put your heart out there um, because it's it's you, it's really you. Like we come with our full selves and our spirits and our souls and our minds and our experiences and we put them out there. And so thank y'all for creating a safe space, Brittany, Mandisa, uh, Maisha. Thank you so much for being here and support, being a great supporter of this podcast and the success of it. I truly appreciate that so much. And <laughs> uh, living millennial listeners, um, this will be, uh, I'll, I'll still be around, but you know, I won't be a, a regular co-host every episode, you know, I'll still be around and, you know, when the team will have me and time makes sense and my voice makes sense for the conversation, I will be around, but I will be leaving living millennial uh, in a certain regard. And uh, so I want to thank y'all as listeners for uh, really, you know, teaching us and listening to us and like giving us y'all perspective because we do it for y'all and the things that we talk about is influenced by what we're going through in society what we see on the news what we're hearing on social media and what we're going through as you know a generation especially with this big change in the world and so we all have been doing this and growing together so if you've been here listening every other week and you've been tuning in and you've been watching uh the quarantine conversations throughout this time then you've been a part of this conversation you know what it is and i hope that you have found your authenticity and that you found your voice and that you have found appreciation for where you're at in your life and that you found value in yourself. Ah, and that's really important. That's just really important. That's the only thing that I care about with people is just people loving themselves and finding themselves. And that journey is what the journey is. It's gonna be different for everybody, but it's so important, especially in this world today, to be who you are, to find value in who you are and to love who you are, wherever you're at. Um, and that's how you're gonna find your power and find your voice find your authenticity and do what you do and you know bring in the blessings that your life has for you because you do have blessings that are waiting for you you just got to find you in it and then like listen there ain't nobody that can do anything that you can do we all have a, a very specific signature on us we all are a collective as the human race um so love y'all and thank y'all for having me and listen to me talk as much as i do uh love y'all thank you I love you more, King. We love you more, King. And you know what? Can't nobody do what you do. That's a whole fact. Like, listen, the amount of feedback that we get about your voice. <laughs> 
in both contexts, right? Your voice and like in the power of your words, but also, of course, you know that my soul tree gets listen, get everybody going. So <laughs> nobody can really <laughs> do what you do, and I. I have the most love for you, the most gratitude for you. And I just, I, now my words are gone, but I just, I, I just, I just love you. I really do. Your light is unmatched. Um, it really, really is. Your light is just, it's unmatched. And I'm so appreciative of you. And yours, and yours, and yours. Each of our lights are unmatched when we illuminate. That's them, a fact. You know? And when us together, like, ooh, shine bright like a diamond. Hey, <laughs> sparks, 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 sparks. <laughs> all the sparks, all the sparks. So before we close out, any last words for our audience, uh, particularly our Black and Millennial audience, for anything? I just want to encourage everybody <laughs> to take your time. Love ain't going nowhere. Mm. <laughs> nowhere mm. love ain't going nowhere well y'all thank y'all so much for tuning in yet again y'all know what to do follow us on ig at living millennial pc find us on facebook at living millennial podcast and stay tuned even though this is the season finale is uh, we'll be back for a season four of course and then stay tuned on those social media outlets we have so many things to keep you guys posted about um get you guys excited about and uh, just thank you god damn it <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> thank you okay thank you for the love and the support of course um and then share this episode and all the episodes y'all we have 36 full episodes so if you haven't caught up to anything else please do always send us feedback always write and review this has been living millennial hey we did it <laughs> You know, whenever I talk about love and authenticity and people loving themselves, I get emotional because I know how I know that journey. I know that journey. All right, friends, that's our show. Tune in next time. Living Millennial. Hey, more to come. More, more, more to come. We are living millennial. Be sure to subscribe to our show, follow us on IG, and tell us what you think.